Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast celebrating the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I am Bobby Pape, and joining me on this beautiful Sunday morning in New Brighton, Minnesota, our one and only tall baker chick, Ann Lundholm. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Bobby. And in Kyle, Texas, from the Stumpton Studios, Mike Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bobby. Where the coffee is fresh and with an errant W. We're going to get started with our LRB business, followed by your week in review, housekeeping, and how to get involved. Before all of that, let me just remind you, this is a Monday episode of the show where we recap the latest week of TBTL. Uh, if you haven't already, go back and listen to our most recent Friday show, which actually came out on Thursday. It was a Thanksgiving special. You will cry, you will laugh at us, and you will love it. Uh, but more today, starting with some LRB business. We have an update on Meredith, although we haven't actually heard from her recently. Mm-hmm. It's slightly worrisome. We're assuming she's fine, recovering for her her TMJ surgery. Duff braised her some turkey on Thursdays so she could gum on some Thanksgiving dinner. I know um, she made a mistake that I made um, during one of my uh, stump appointments. She She went in to get some stitches out. And she neglected to take her Vicodin beforehand and had a pretty bad experience, just like yeah. I did. And she'll never forget to do something yeah. like that again, I guarantee. A lesson to everyone on pre-medicating. Yes, pre-medicate yourself. <laughs> when someone's going to be pulling staples or stitches out of this really tender area of your body, go ahead and pre-drug yourself. Turns out that Jen Andrews had it right all along. She did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Anne, you put a note on today's business uh, section of the run sheet that just says Anne needs advice. And I have no idea what that is. So I'll let you take it from here. I really do need advice because normally I'm a very decisive person. I generally don't have a difficult time making up my mind. But I I have a little bit of a quandary. Uh, and as has been covered in a fair amount of detail here, I, I quit my second job in September. And that was true then. It's not so much quit now. Like in The Princess Bride, the difference between mostly dead and all dead, I mostly quit. In that a couple of weeks ago, they had me back. Um, They have a huge holiday training session for the new holiday staff and the regular staff. And they asked me to come and do some training because I'm a good public speaker and trainer. So I did that. And last weekend, uh, there was a big private shopping event after the store closed that had booze and food and music and it's family and friends get to come in and shop for a discount. And they asked me to come back and work that. And I did. And I think I'm going to go back just a few times, a handful of times over December just to help out. And because how could I not be there at Christmas? But my dilemma is Christmas Eve. It's my favorite day of the year to work. And there's a lot to do to get ready for the awful day after Christmas um, sales on Christmas merchandise. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, I haven't had a Christmas Eve off in 17 years. And that might be kind of cool. But on the other hand, how can I not work? It's a really fun day. And we bring mm-hmm. in food and we're running around like crazy people. And I just I love the vibe in the store, the people who come into shop. It is mostly men. And they come in and they're just like, well, I'm here. I need to buy something. And you say, I think you should buy that $98 wind chime. And they say, okay. And they give you their money and they leave. 
it's a really easy sales day. And so I don't know. I honestly can't make up my mind and I'm going to have to let her know because she's going to mm-hmm. finalize the schedule soon. I have two questions. Um, <clears throat> one, do you feel like uh, the person um, who said they were quitting Facebook and then they're just three days later, their their account's active again? Um, do you kind of feel like that? People look at you like, oh, I thought you quit. What are you doing here? Uh, before you answer that, the, the second question is, is there something going on with friends or family that you have always wanted to attend or want to attend this year that it would keep you from if you went ahead and went in? Uh, the answer to both of those questions is no. Uh, even when I quit there, I knew that I was not shutting the door on anything. Mm-hmm. And I even talked to my boss about being around a little bit at Christmas time. So I did not shut down my Facebook page and then come slinking back. And I don't know that there are any family things going on. Um, I One of my brothers is not coming in until Christmas Day, and I'm not sure about mm-hmm. the other one. He, They might be there, actually. I don't know. It could be. I'm surprised that Christmas Eve isn't a, a choir night for you. It always was for me. And so that's why I could never work Christmas Eve. Even on the years when I was working coffee shops and I worked a lot of random holidays, Christmas Eve was always church first for me. Right. I'm it's back, not back a, before I became a heathen. Uh, exactly. I, I'm not in a church choir, so I don't have those kinds oh, of responsibilities. Okay. The choir that I'm in, we're actually our concert is next week and then we'll be done for the season, so that won't interfere with oh. anything. Well, I I think I speak for everyone when I say do what makes you happy and if it makes you happy to be there on Christmas Eve, I I think that's a that's a fun time. That would be a fun time in, in your kind of retail, too, because uh, everyone, they need to buy something now. Yep. You know, anything. You, you <laughs> cannot walk out of the store with nothing, especially if you're a dude and you've taken the time to go shopping and it's Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's probably the most suggestible time of the year. <laughs> there was a guy who came in once on a Christmas Eve who was kind of an older not old, but you know, in the in the later half of his life, and he was so crabby to be there. He was clearly someone who had money. He just needed to get it done. He wasn't rude, but he was just not in a great mood. And he picked out like eight pieces of of this pottery, which went, runs like fifty to a hundred bucks a piece. And um, he, we got it all up to the counter, and I said to him, "Do you need me to gift wrap it?" And his whole demeanor changed. He said, could you? Oh, that yeah. would be wonderful. <laughs> that was probably so, what was really weighing on him because that would really weigh on me is like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to spend three hours wrapping all this BS. Yes. I just I had to hunt hunt around for some extra boxes and get out the paper and do uh-huh. the wrapping and sort of label which box was which. And he tried to tip me, which we don't accept. I said, no, no, it's absolutely my pleasure. And he went out. And it was just a, one of those instances where your interaction with somebody really has a positive impact. That's great. And I think you have to work Christmas Eve. I think people need you. Yeah. <laughs> I think I kind of do. Unless unless we have something for you to do, then you're we're oh, right. going right. to <laughs> Cancel. We're recording a show Christmas yeah, Eve so. that we need edited. Because Thanksgiving Eve, yeah, we, we took yeah. that up. So who knows? We might take up your Christmas Eve. 
Uh, so, Anne, do you want advice from the listeners on this, or did you just want advice from us? Because that's a terrible idea, just wanting <laughs> advice from us. <laughs> I want advice from anybody who will give it to me. And unlike usually when people ask for advice, usually when people ask for advice, they already know what they want. They just want somebody mm-hmm. else to legitimize it. I truly don't know. So anybody's opinions would be welcome. Not your mom's. Well... No, of course. Okay, I didn't think so. That's too irritating. <laughs> Even if she tells you perfect advice at this point in your life, you're like, nope, can't accept it. <laughs> uh, and with that, uh, why don't we jump into our week in review while our listeners craft their advice to Anne. Uh, Mike, starting with you. Sure, Monday, 2255, a podcast you can't refuse. Uh, Rudy um, is a middle-aged dog at this point and still attacking all guests looking for food. They've never uh, trained that out of her. I met her when she was relatively young, not quite a puppy. So, you know, full grown, but still very exuberant. And yeah, she gave me a nice uh, shot to the nuts (laughs) and, you know, sniffed all over looking to see if I had any Duke's sausage in my pants or Duke's in my pants, either one. I, I just don't think they have trained her beyond that point. I don't, I think they gave up on actual training on that dog pretty quickly. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. To be fair, you probably had a pocket full of baby bells. Uh, that's possible. At any one time, I'm uh, any given time, I might be trying to soften up some baby bells because I like to have them a little bit soft. You know, so I keep them close to my body. Uh, Luke is wanting to watch The Godfather after reading a book that he hasn't read yet. I think, if I understood, he has a book about The Godfather or Francis Ford Coppola. And he's looking forward to reading that and then being the guy who watches with his wife and points out all the things that he read in the book. Yeah, this is just the right level of aspirational for Luke. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it's another example of him uh, trying to create a moment. Mm -hmm. He's gearing up all his various avenues to come together and, and create. I don't know what he's expecting to get from this. Well, uh, Carrie loves Marlon Brando, we find out. And if you've ever watched uh, a lot of young Marlon Brando movies, he's mesmerizing. It's Mm -hmm. easy to fall for him. Um, Not so much in The Godfather. I mean, he's good, but it's not like, you know, he's hot. (laughs) Not so much in The Island of Dr. Moreau either. Oh, no. I would recommend not seeing that. I think that was a movie that we saw when I was at Sheridan. It was one of those that they piped in like on a... Oh, we rented a movie for you guys, and it was just awful. And mm-hmm. please don't ever watch it, anyone. I'll stick to the lovable mumbling of On the Waterfront. Thank yeah. you. Nice. Good choice. So yeah. Luke wants to do overnights on KU- KPUG in Bellingham, Sports, the sports leader. <laughs> he seemed to be genuinely confused that he couldn't get a fifth letter for the... <laughs> For their fictitious sports station, he wanted KSPRT. Uh, that's too many. This is unacceptable for a radio professional. I know it's pretty crazy, right? I can't. You, you're limited to four. Yeah. Yeah, you are. How many ratings books have you looked at? I mean, they're, they're, you're limited. They have uh, on KPUG. They have the hottie. Of the day, and uh, on K Sport, they wanted to do the uh, the pet of the day, some sort of heavy petting or something. 
Yes, a t- TBTL heavy petting. Yeah, right. I went to yeah. the K-Pug. I wanted to check out the hottie of the day. And I was at work. And I was like, oh, holy shit. This is almost porn. And I had to close it quickly. It's definitely not something that I should be looking at at work. I didn't go there, but uh, they kept mentioning the hottie came from Stare magazine. So I tried to figure out what that was. And I couldn't quite figure that out. I guess I'm just an old man, but... Just a little less porn that I'd looked at that day, you know. Um, I think they should have cleared up that if they didn't, K-Pug or K-P-U-G, it, it isn't call letters about dog, a dog, or just a <laughs> random thing. It's for Puget Sound. So ah, that makes more sense. Puget Sound. <laughs> they really should have led with that because I'm sure anybody who didn't doesn't live anywhere near Bellingham is like, K-Pug? What the hell is that? <laughs> They, uh, the oh, Barb is a sponsor. I just, I just need to mention that because yep. Barb's my best. They give her people. a nice shout out. What's up, Barb? She got a very cool shout out. Um, She's still listening. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was that was pretty great. Luke was surprised she was still listening. <laughs> um, top story: Alberta is a fart in the room. That's uh, out of the mouth of a legislator in in Canada and Canadian Parliament and. I don't know. Do, um, I don't watch a lot of C-SPAN anymore. Do, do they are they allowed to say things like fart and shit? Well, I, I imagine shit would be shades darker, uh, shades worse on the sort of parliamentary procedures. But I don't know that there's a written list anywhere. Right. I don't know that there's a plaque when you walked in. Just words you can't use in this chamber. <laughs> right. Right. Be great today and don't say these fourteen, fifteen words. Uh, clearly, someone was offended, though, as the clip showed. But a Canadian Parliament, I'm, you know, I'm talking about out of my ass here, but I, it's roughly based on British Parliament, and those people are terrible to each other. Yeah, that's some of the worst <laughs> behavior you've ever seen in British Parliament. But the Canadians, I guess, they don't go in for that. Well, you no, have to I don't balance. Think so. You have to balance uh, British Parliament with Canadian politeness, mm-hmm. and where they meet is that government. I've actually been in that chamber in ottawa when i was a kid pre 9-11 you could just like wander into this place if mm. there wasn't if parliament wasn't in session or whatever you could just go in and sit in the chairs and hang out a didn't see a plaque b didn't smell anything unusual so <laughs> i guess a lot has changed since i was a kid i'm just glad they're back into talking politics even if it is about farting or right farts so yeah. Uh, it led to a huge discussion on farting and its role in our daily lives and our relationships. Bobby, you you live with your wife. What's the farting situation there? Do you talk about it? Do you just let loose? Do you try to hide it from each other? So I've been on a lifelong spectrum of uh, a roller coaster ride of of <laughs> farting as a kid. That's a possible showtime. <laughs> As a kid, farts were funny, and uh, I won't say not discouraged, but you could you could fart and it would be a punchline. There's a legendary family story of mine that when I was a kid, I was playing in the basement with my distant cousins, and my Uncle Brent, my grandmother's youngest brother, Brent, was upstairs drinking with everyone, all the adults. He was sitting on a cooler, and he farted so loud and it reverberated in just such a perfect way with the cooler that it sounded like an explosion in the Mm, kitchen nice 
and the entire family still remembers the time Brent farted on the cooler. Was he proud of it or was he embarrassed? Oh, no, he was proud. Oh, this good, was a good, laughable good. moment. There was never any shame in these. You know, mm-hmm. we were the kind of family that would score them out of 10. Okay. You oh. know. Interesting. Like I just heard. Was that a shudder, Anne? Well, kind of. <laughs> was Would you consider that the top of the roller coaster? Or the yeah, that, that that would be well. Uh, dignity was a non-factor in the scoring, so so it was a high point. Okay, uh, and then I grew up, and in relationships, and now in my marriage, <laughs> farting is ninety-nine percent of the time something that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't talk about it. And then once in a while, um, I learned after a couple of years of dating Sam that if I farted just in silence. She would laugh hysterically. <laughs> okay. And I never knew why. And then I found out it's because an old roommate of hers used to do that to her. And so I I can channel that. But it's, oh. it's really a shoot the moon thing. So 99% of the time, completely unacknowledged, we don't talk about it. And then that 1% of the time, you can uh, go for the 10.0. I got you. Well, around here, um, I I try to keep it completely on the down low. Uh, 99.9% of the time I can achieve that because I'm not much of a farter to begin with. Um, I won't speak for the other half of this relationship. Uh, and you live alone so you can rip any time, right? Just, it's all good. Sure. Why not? <laughs> what was the situation growing up, though? You had brothers? Yeah, it was a very uh, strange combination. Since my mom was a nurse, she has a very clinical approach to those things Mm -hmm. but my dad is a bit more prudish about that stuff and he would not like to talk about it at all so there there it would it would happen and you would talk about it sort of sensibly but you would try not to let it happen uh i got you but as a was there a double standard with the boys and girls or was it all same rules for everyone um I boys are more careless about that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was a I mean, I I guess that's a sweeping statement. I I can only speak for myself, but (laughs) no, I I, I I don't remember there. I mean, it's it's funnier for for boys and for girls. We're already being socialized. Right. Because if it had been if it had been cousin Susie that was sitting on the cooler and ripped that one. Uh, she probably would have been mortified and pr- absolutely probably still have some sort of eating disorder over it. <laughs> in my family, though, you have to remember that most of them are Canadians. This happened in Canada. And so ironically, mm-hmm. despite the politeness factor, the humor is different. Yeah. I don't know if we have a lot of Canadian listeners, but my family will laugh at a fart, hands down, anytime. But sarcasm Almost entirely lost on them as a group. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. How do you communicate? I know. It's just it's just a different culture. These are people who grew up on the, the Red Green show and mm. not, not, you know, more fighting or weird mm-hmm. humor. And yet they gave us kids in the hall. I don't know. It's, it's a difficult thing. Well, I, I thought that Andrew really had some words of wisdom in this discussion when he said it's always better – uh, not to be the guy who farted. Yeah. I just think that's, a, general, that's a good life lesson. Sure. 
Uh, they embarrassed themselves in they were using the term "break like the wind" and they didn't realize that it was a spinal actual Spinal Tap album, a, a <laughs> real album by the fake band Break Like the Wind, and it was it was home to such hits as Bitch School and Clam Caravan. I don't know how that could have gotten by them <laughs> back in the day. Um, no point conversion. There was talk about the CJ Proceeds run being a record run, which was confusing. Announcers are always searching for records, but it was like a CenturyLink record. It wasn't a team record. It wasn't a, uh, I don't know. And they and Luke talked about how the Beastquake run that Marshawn Lynch has, um, he thought that had been the longest run. It was actually 68 yards. And unlike Luke's claim that it was a lot of east-west action, that's why it took so long. No, it was all the tackles the guy was breaking. Pape, do you remember that run against New Orleans in the playoffs? And he broke, I think, 13 tackles. Yeah, I remember just being impressed that he kept going. I, yeah. I, in the moment, I didn't remember it being, you know, historic. I just remembered it being impressive. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't east-west because he he's not that kind of guy. Right. It was north-south, but it just took a long time because he, he gave every guy a chance to tackle him. And some of them had a couple chances. And then just, yeah, spins off each one of them and keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, um, remember when he was a Buffalo Bill? Sorry. Oh, no, no. I, w I was going to call on your knowledge on, of him as a Buffalo Bill because uh, they were talking about how Luke said that the call in the Super Bowl wasn't as crazy as you think when you when you really know about Marshawn Lynch's career. He's not a great short yardage back. Yeah. He's a guy who who breaks away. And it works sometimes, but he's, he can't call his shots and he's not in every down. You know, he, he's not a fullback. Yeah. He's not the guy you want for that. Fourth and one goal line. He's not He's not your guy. Never was your guy. And and when they called that pass play, I was not surprised. It was, I was surprised at how weird a pass play it was and they threw yeah. into such traffic. Right into the middle. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Yeah, but the fact that it was a pass play didn't, didn't bug me at all, so... The Seahawks then and now really they don't have a big fat good old fashioned fullback. They don't have a tank. Yeah, I, the teams especially like Seattle use more play action in situations like that. There's, the, you know, they count on the defense thinking that they're going to run, and then if you have a guy like Russell Wilson, then you have all kinds of options. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't need to keep going down this road. sports talk. I'm fascinated. Russell Wilson. Uh, through, uh, through against his body, um, this is something that baseball players do all the time. So, it, you know, mm -hmm. he's, he was a great baseball player. So it didn't surprise me at all. But Luke was uh, pretty impressed with it. Um, it seems that Andrew and Veeves are booked for a vacation for Super Bowl weekend. So if the Seahawks are playing, it sound, it's some sort of tropical vacation, I think, right? He's it's trying the to Costa get Rica one, right? His beach bod ready. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine you go anywhere that where you couldn't get a hold of the Super Bowl in some way. I don't know. You'd have to go somewhere without television to not get the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> no wonder that that weekend though is is so cheap, you know? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure they're looking at wow this this weekend in February looks amazing. Everything's half price. I'm taking it. Well, yeah. the only other time you can get prices like that is hurricane season. Because no one wants to go during hurricanes or during the Super Bowl, uh, and Russell Wilson is now all in on the South of Dome Arena, the Soto Arena, you know, which is pretty great. And instead of talking about Jesus at the end of all his interviews, at least now he's 
talking about an arena that I can get behind. I'm not behind this God character, but I can really, <laughs> really like some NHL and NBA back in Seattle. Uh, I'm going to skip my long talk about how I'm not sure Seattle can handle an NHL team so close to Vancouver, but I mean, other cities do it. Yeah. My thought was just that Luke doesn't like Russell Wilson doing this on national television. He thinks it should be right. just local. No. But he doesn't realize the investors are going to come from all over. Right. And that's where the buy-in needs to be. And this is every year. There's some city that wants to build a new arena. It's the long national talk. Of course, that's they're probably paying him extra every time he can get it on, I know. Uh, exactly. on an NFL broadcast shout-out. Yeah, he's probably – his agent's cutting up the tape and sending it over to him. See, he got it in there. There he is. We jumped back into the frame. And he didn't have to kiss a pizza executive. No, not this time. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have for Monday. I assume, uh, Anne, you don't have any more thoughts on the no-point conversion? Uh, all I have to say is that I was diligently taking notes and trying to Google names to make sure that I had them correctly. They released a guy who's named Christine. Kristen Michaels? Yeah. I had the devil of a time <laughs> finding that name. It's uh, it's spelled Christine and pronounced yeah. Kristen, which are both uh, female ways of spelling and pronouncing. Um, Calm down, Jim Rome. And incongruous, <laughs> you know. It's like if you if you name your kid Christine, call him call him Christine. Don't call him Kristen. It's right. Really confusing. You're right. Or for God's sakes, go with Chris. And poor guy's been cut by the Seahawks. I think twice in two years now. <laughs> so he's walking around as Kristen, Christine, and he keeps getting cut. So he goes from the starter to being cut very quickly. Something tells me that's some sort of a troubled relationship with the coaches. That's my guess. Mm. Well, I think that's not to be heteronormative, but it's kind of <laughs> mean of his mom to do that. Yeah, Apparently that? she was so convinced that she was going to have a girl. She had the name all picked out and then the boy came along and she thought, ah, seems it's fine to right me. It's all right course correct. <laughs> it's all right. right. I guess when you're a pro football player, you can be named whatever. Yeah. Who's going to mess with you? Yeah, a big, strong guy like that. But what if he'd just been a little poindexter? It would have been really... Right. There's Nobody... a lot of therapy there. Yeah. Nobody fucks with Barkevius Mingo. No. <laughs> Doesn't matter whether or not he's an NFL player. 6'5", 300, <laughs> Barkevius. Right. You could be Meowkevius. People wouldn't mess with you. <laughs> All right, we got there. And... <laughs> Let's go to Tuesday, uh, 2256. Dude, you're getting a smoothie uh, in which Andrew cannot remember the word smoothie for the longest time, and it really upsets him. Mm. Um, I'd like to note, starting the show, Luke says that today he's eaten three Kraft Singles, three and a half Duke's sausages, some Clausen mini dills, and a Coke Zero. And I'm just thinking about his poor digestive tract. <laughs> oh, my God. How could he do that? Ugh. We have the return of the turkey gobble. I look forward to that every year. Mm. I, I'm very glad that it's Thanksgiving specific because otherwise I think we could Burbank that very quickly. Sure. Yes. And Andrew recounts all his Cairo hijinks with Rachel Bell from last night. Uh, it seemed like it was a real rotating cast of hosts there and they got to a point where um, was she supposed to talk? Was he right. supposed to talk? And it was all a hot mess. And somehow during this um, this conversation, Luke decided that he was going to say Monday Night Football in Spanish. So he said, Lunas Noches de Football. And Andrew said, is that Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> he, I think he was trying to say it the way that Chris Berman had said it 
Yes. Oh, on, yes, on that's Monday right. Yep. I love Andrew so much. Uh, so it turns out that uh, Luke's laptop has what he characterizes as leprosy. He says most of the ports don't work. Um, and he has to go through uh, a lot of rigmarole in order to um, get everything that he needs for the show plugged into the laptop, which seems to me to be playing with fire. Yes. But he makes the, a very sensible point that he's having a hard time getting it repaired because he needs it every day. So he can't well, get drop some, it off and just let's it. get some of that pina colada money together and get yourself a <laughs> nice new laptop. It's pretty important to your job, dude. Right. And this leads into Andrew's epic story of laptop repair. I had almost mm-hmm. forgotten that this was going on after yeah. the discussion of how he chose the his repair shop. But it turns out that it was an absolute fiasco. And uh, in, in that, let's see, one, they forgot to order the part. Two, they didn't realize they needed to get a special keyboard uh, that was going to take four weeks for it to come in. Three, oh, he had to pay for the part before he uh, they placed the order. How can anything in this day and age take four weeks to get a hold of? It, it just I, needs I to know. be manufactured at that point, which still shouldn't even take four weeks. Well, I made a note that said this is what comes of when you buy a, a an off-brand computer, mm-hmm. right? Whatever he said candy. that he had. It's, it's not something that I even recognize the name of. Well, yeah. MSI is the best gaming laptop provider, according to the Google results for MSI laptop. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, they are the best. Very good for Hearthstone playing. Yeah, but usually people that go for those gaming systems they're they're usually people that play against other people online and it's shooter games and stuff that depends on speed and quality he's just he's just plodding around with civ 5 and hearthstone and what's the one that all little kids play where everyone looks all minecraft minecraft right (laughs) so i don't think he needs this type of machine no so when you when you buy the lamborghini of gaming computers, I guess mm-hmm. you can't be surprised that it's going to take that long to and cost get a, part a lot in. to repair. I bet too. that's a yep. good analogy because those foreign auto body workers are always the weirdest. Yeah, <laughs> and you have to believe everything they say because you can't check on it. They're the only yeah. one who knows this stuff. <laughs> and I was a little uh, taken aback by his amazement that he had to pay for the part. Uh, when he ordered it, because in my experience, that's just how it works. If you're mm-hmm. getting a, a a not widely available custom part, of course right. you have to pay for it before they order it. Yeah, even because at if, your, if you at don't your use auto it, dealer or or wherever you get your car fixed, if it's an expensive, if they have to order a fucking transmission for you or something, you know, they don't want you to just order it and then just decide you're going to get it somewhere else. And then meanwhile, they got this the whole thing shipped to their shop, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then to continue on, I think what where Andrew really starts to get upset is they told him the specific day and time to come in to get their repair wizard to do it. And that guy decided to come in late. So he wasn't there. And Andrew ended up waiting for three plus hours. And then the guys said that it was just too complicated. They, they never would have taken the job had they known how complicated this was going to be, all the, the rivets. He mentioned, and then they took him back and showed him <laughs> the computer with all its guts nope. out all over the workbench. <laughs> that was that was a poor move on their part. Yeah, the only say. way they should have done that is if he 
if he was insisting on having it back right now, you know, like he's now he's getting huffy and he wants it back, they would have to take him back and say, "Well, that really can't happen right now." Right. I'm I'm a little uncertain on how this really went because in my experience as as a retail person, uh, these people were dealing with him in the way that you would deal with a very difficult customer. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly they're very, a very nice outfit and they sort of pride themselves on customer service and they're very open and honest, but they seem to really have been bending over backwards. So either they feel that they massively screwed up, which maybe they did, I don't know, or there's something about the way that he's behaving that's making them desperate to kind of calm him down. Well, I'm I'm sure that Andrew is his trying to be polite but nervous right. and really wants his laptop back self. Right. You know, and and as they noted, their Simpsons reference for the week, they're working <laughs> with Gil who's just trying to not get fired yeah. or whatever or or, or be a failure because it's probably his store. Like this looks like a really small place. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should be calling people geniuses anymore because it's really lost its meaning except as sarcasm these yes. days. Oh, yeah. this guy, this ad genius, this tax genius or whatever. Um, yeah. So he'll never go back because the experience was just too bad. He does. He appreciates the customer service and that they seemed to be good people who were really trying. I would say this was a, a mixture of, of very bad luck. And then, I mean, forgetting to order the part, that's definitely on them. But the, but he wants to know if he has, or, or I guess Luke asks if he has a moral responsibility to leave a Yelp review detailing this experience. And I said, no, there's, there's no moral responsibility associated with Yelp or to fellow customers. You don't have a responsibility to tell anybody else your experience. Like if there's customers that don't even know what Yelp is, now are they going to hell because because they didn't find out about Yelp and leave a <laughs> shitty review? I mean, you have n- morals has nothing to do with this. Your only moral responsibility is to review Little Red Bandwagon on iTunes. That's right. Of, co- yeah. of course. <laughs> there's there's a little bit of slugs. talk at the end here about um, whether it's worse to deal with some shyster that's taking advantage of you or to deal with a good-hearted incompetent. I would take the good-hearted incompetent any day because at least mm-hmm. I know they're not trying to screw me. I think yeah. it depends on if you know anything about what they're doing, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I, yeah, yeah, I me. Mean, it would be situational. Yep. Uh, as much as people love to bitch about how much more expensive Apple laptops are, and they'll tell you there's nothing better about them, I will say that ever since I switched to Macs uh, about 10 years ago, I've been through a few MacBooks. I've been happy with all of them, and I've never once, knock on anything in this room, had to take it into the shop. Um and if I did, I know where I would take it. And to me, that is worth so much relief. Mm-hmm. It's worth the extra money to me to just know, like, there's a really set procedure for all of this. I don't find that I have any problems with my non-Mac, but I have a desktop. And I think that desktop versus laptop may make a difference because laptops just get handled so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there is a physical component to that. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the top story for today. 
there is a class action lawsuit. I hope Christy was paying attention to this so she can get in on it, her, her class action lawsuit, uh, against Chipotle because some people, uh, thought due to mm, semi-deceptive advertising that their burritos were only 300 calories, which just makes me laugh on the face of it. Mm-hmm. But they turned out to be over a thousand calories. It was the advertised chorizo that was only 300 calories. Now, I, I'm not someone who has eaten a lot of Chipotle, but I do pick it up. I picked it up often for Emily and Cullen. And one of the remarkable features about the Chipotle meal is that it weighs as much as a goddamn suitcase yes. when you're coming out of there. <laughs> so there's just no way. There's just no way. I mean, I, I, I can't defend anyone who is dumb enough to think that it, one of those burritos had 300 calories. They should get no money for thinking that. Nope. They should have said, oh, what you meant here was 1,300 calories. But this is hot coffee McDonald's talk. Yeah. You know, they weren't warned that they would get fat eating giant burritos. <laughs> yeah. And this translates into the idea of reading labels because if people had read the labels or read the fine print, this would not have been such a shock to them. And Luke, of course, is all into reading labels for his low carbing purposes. I think it's very uh, dangerous to be reading labels for one purpose and one purpose only, mm-hmm. whether it's low fat or low calorie or low carb. But this takes him into reading the labels on his gum, and he is beside himself that gum has carbs. What? Well- <laughs> <laughs> and so now he's on a search for the the non-carb breath breath freshening option. I I think don't quit chewing gum because of the carbs. Quit chewing gum because it's gross. Well, he he may switch to Tic Tacs because Tic Tacs have apparently no carbs. I would say that they probably have 0.4 carbs and they're rounding down. Mm -hmm. So if you eat a box of Tic Tacs, you're going to get plenty of carbs. Yeah. And Luke thinks maybe he could just go back to a spray like Binaca Blast. Mm -hmm. I sort of am peripherally aware of Binaca, but I must have missed all of that because that was definitely not a thing for me or my friends. It's like spraying uh, mace into your mouth. Minty mace. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But if you're going to, if you got to, if you have a case of Tic Tac bloat, you just have to make the switch. Right. They talked a little bit about it as sort of being a symbol of maturity. Like, I don't know, once you reach the age where it's possible that you may get to kiss somebody, you want to get the binaca out. I guess that makes me think about Axe body spray and mm-hmm. all those 12 and 13 year old boys that are yeah. uh, going around just blasted with, with Axe. You I'm should sure come all with our a teachers magnum condom for your wallet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I was just thinking about how Banak is right on the rack next to the herbal supplements at the register at the gas station. Ah. So, you know, it's it's in that realm of uh, maturity, but at a gas station. And very and aspirational, as Anne was saying. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Tonight's the night. I'm going to get one of those lot lizards into my truck. Luke uh, verifies that he can buy a six-pack of Binaca Blast on Amazon, which leads him to make the comment that his browsing history is troubling. 
I think most of our browsing history is probably troubling on yeah. Amazon. And that takes them into a short discussion of logos, bad logos. I forget exactly how they get there, but saying that the GoDaddy logo is the worst, not only the worst, but also the least effective yoga, uh, logo. Mm. And they put together this group of GoDaddy, the Shock Top Head, the Noid, and the Mr. Yuck logos as being gross. I would exempt Mr. Yuck from that group because I think Mr. Yuck was a very effective logo. It's not supposed to be cute. (laughs) And a great logo for this week of TBTL between Fart Talk, Banaka Blast, and we haven't even gotten to... uh, peeing in an ice bath yet (laughs) yeah um in a story that luke really wanted to talk about that it didn't get to on monday it turns out that japanese kids are getting lots of unicycles it it's a a school program they're just left at the school and the kids figure it out by themselves with very little adult supervision and without safety equipment and uh luke is amazed because this just isn't something that would happen in america anymore yeah there'd be a lawsuit yeah some kid was skinning his knee and then it's a lawsuit and he wants to talk about the practicality of unicycling as a mode of transportation (laughs) which andrew quite rightly says it's just a total look at me sort of thing yeah Nobody uses – well, there's always that guy on the college campus that uses the unicycle for transportation. Well, it's like how can I how can I look like a freak and go slightly faster than I'm walking? Uh, you know, and, and just you add one wheel and it's like 20 times faster, you know, to that situation. So mm-hmm. I just don't get why you wouldn't get on a bike. But I think if you – if you put all these unicycles somewhere, you should also, yeah, put a, like a big, big cage of ferrets so that people can <laughs> slap one on their shoulders to make sure everyone's looking at them. Right. Can, can you manage a hockey stick with a tennis ball while mm. you're on a unicycle? Yeah. Oh, you know, they have the football now. They play uh, unicycle football. I saw a guy with a um, bumper sticker the other day for it. And I saw somebody actually playing that was like the Super Bowl of unicycle um football and it was really really uh confusing and dull and pretty much whenever somebody wanted to tackle somebody they just jumped off their unicycle and tackled them Mm. this seems like it's hard to get leverage to tackle someone on a unicycle not be licensed use of the term super bowl i know man i hope they get sued real bad (laughs) they get they have to give up their unicycles Uh, I i had a colleague at a previous job in boston so they'll narrow it down who used to uh, come in on the commuter rail or the train, the T, and then use a Razor scooter between the T-stop and the office. Mm. It's only a few blocks, but uh, this person swore it made the commute faster and more enjoyable. Um, And I just have a really hard time picturing a grown adult in business casual clothing Mm -hmm. on a Razor scooter, and uh, I never stopped with the ridicule. Right. Of this person. <laughs> it's your responsibility at that point. I mean, <laughs> even if you don't care anymore, you still have to keep going at it. Yeah. Well, I guess I support everybody's right to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. But I would just say that I would never date a guy who rides a unicycle because mm-hmm. clearly we have um, incompatible outlooks on life. It's a limiter. 
Yeah. For sure. And um, then we come to the the shocking part of unicycle talk in which Luke recounts a story where he and Carrie and Andrew and Genevieve were um, eating tacos or burritos. They were having tacos at Taco Bravo. I don't remember the names of restaurants I've never been to. And they saw a unicyclist innocently cycling by and minding his own look at me business. And Luke felt compelled to throw a package of guacamole at him for no other reason, but then he's a dick. And he's not sure that he hit the guy, but he did fall off. And now Luke feels that he has to defend unicyclists because he has karmic debt. I, I, the most troubling part of the story was what kind of container of guacamole was this that, that could be thrown? Because he's a packet of guacamole? I'm picturing a souffle cup with lid filled completely so it's got a little heft but portable what not like a ramica restaurant type no like like a plastic souffle club like okay. the kind you get a side of uh dressing and not a giant side of ranch dressing like where you used to work but like a normal size right little sauce cup and if you're dining with someone who throws your guacamole away i mean that's a dick move in and of itself it's like <laughs> dude i still have chips here that's just that's just an impulse that i don't understand yeah. I don't know. Why would you ever do something like that? There's no need. What are you trying to prove? Luke. <sighs> I don't like that, Luke. I don't think that's the first time we've heard that story. And I think we've been disappointed every time. I feel like I've heard it once before. Well, in, in emails today, to move on, we get um, one about somebody whose coworker clips their toenails in the next cubicle. Gross. And then somebody who wrote in because her grandmother was in a play with Carl Castle, uh, or I guess he was on the tech crew, and they dated, and he sent her love letters, and they still have those those love letters that they can read. What's I great that is that a lovely story. if you read like the Carl Castle love letters, you can read them in his voice, and it's like extra super charming. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got for Tuesday. On a Wednesday, not all Andrews wear boots. We're at Walsh, Walsh, and Dormat together again with Andrew Digi Walsh. And Luke recounts us, maybe the highlight of the week, the running saga that is the Gobble Gobble family text chain chat. Uh, The Burbank family is dividing up the duties of their Thanksgiving shopping and meal preparation. Luke's usual job is to be the guy who runs to the store to get what everybody forgot on Thanksgiving morning. But Susie Burbank is insisting that he go to Costco on Wednesday night instead. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine going to Costco on Wednesday night? Uh-uh. For bulk whipping cream. Yes. Uh, Luke stated that he thought that you could get three gallons of whipping cream for $7. Yeah. And I thought, I have got to start shopping at Costco no if kidding. that's the case. <laughs> Uh, I know it's one of those things where if somebody doesn't know the price of a gallon of milk, they're out of touch. A gallon of heavy whipping cream might be a different story. I mean, I pay, I think it's over $4 for a pint of whipping cream. So seven bucks for three gallons. Uh, yeah, I got to get with that. Yep. Well, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I think whipping cream, like cans of pumpkin, it's, it's kind of like heroin in prison. They can ask whatever <laughs> price they want. Somebody's going to try to pay it. So... 
things devolve quickly in this chat first because Luke really doesn't want to go to Costco, but <laughs> Susie's really trying to tell him he needs to go to Costco. And then uh, the siblings dive in with thick sarcasm. Oh, man, it's great. <laughs> so great. Uh, I forget. Was it David who jumps in first or Sam who jumps in first with, I don't eat anything that doesn't come from <laughs> I Costco. I think it was Sam. <laughs> Uh, and we can aside from Luke about how seriously Susie takes Costco being a one-time sample prep cook mm-hmm. slash hander outer at Costco, taking the pierogies so seriously that she almost missed his first pitch at the Mariners game because she had to work. There's the whole setup and you got to take it down and it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Not anyone can use one of those little electric um, skillets with the yeah. sides and the right. lid. Right. You have to get an extension cord because they gave me the shitty spot that's not near any power. It's it's a thing. Got to tape it down. <sighs> um, my family text chat's actually a Facebook group, and it's called Family of Deplorables. Nice. Yeah, that was a recent change. Thankfully, we're all attuned to the same political Mm -hmm. beliefs so i can make that kind of joke without pissing anyone off how do you guys communicate with your families oh we don't really that sounds healthy i (laughs) i i always regret it's just we call each other every once in a while and have a really long talk but we don't really have an ongoing conversation i've started to think that maybe that's kind of weird uh you're not you're not weird um I don't have any text relationship with anybody in my family, really. I talk to my brother on the phone once or twice a month, and my dad maybe every couple months. Uh, my my sister, I think we've talked about this on the show, she's sort of a really closed-off person. She's a great person, but she has like a lot of social anxiety. So we communicate through email usually. So, yeah, not not a lot of like super tight stuff going on over here besides me and my brother. Our chat is mostly family holiday planning and us letting them know when we're going to be in town or right now ongoing conversations about how Christmas presents will be handled this year. Mm -hmm. So it comes and goes, but it's nice to have one place to shoot them a message. My mother and I also text fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, You'd be hard placed. uh, Oh, I text your mom regularly too, but I thought we were talking about (laughs) our own families. Well, then, uh, Andrew and Genevieve are hosting Thanksgiving for three, just them and their brother, but still doing a bunch of the cooking. And uh, the guys talk about sort of the cons of getting Thanksgiving takeout, which I disagree with completely as someone who got Thanksgiving takeout this year. And it was amazing. Great. We still have a little bit of smoked turkey breast left, and I'm looking forward to eating that for lunch today during football. Mm. Um, Andrew gave an act of kindness. Uh, he had an old coat in the car and a pair of boots that Genevieve bought for her basic witch costume, but wasn't going to mm-hmm. wear again and gave them to someone who appeared to be in need, a regular fixture at his local QFC. And I wrote in my notes, homeless with a question mark because we don't actually know 100% for sure. And I don't like to label people beyond what we know, but a person who clearly is is politely sort of looking for some help mm-hmm. and, and Andrew helped this person. And that was a very thoughtful moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hugs, not drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Our top story, uh, 
uh, is this uh, Drake University story. Uh, guy peed in the ice bath, confessed, got fired, and is now suing. Mike, have you ever taken an ice bath? No, I never got to the level of uh, athletics or fanciness that uh, would have would have necessitated an ice bath. But uh, I mean, I've submerged limbs in ice, and and I got to tell you, um, the first five ten minutes is the worst. It's so bad. But then after that, you're fine for a while. And then you need to remember to get out of there before you do any permanent damage because, you know, your body's now numb and you don't feel anything. And you, there could, you could be doing damage to yourself. So, like, falling asleep in an ice bath is probably the worst thing you could do. Mm. Yeah. Um, but but you wouldn't fall asleep during the first five, ten minutes, I guarantee it, because everything is hurting when you do it. And ice bath? No. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, what reason would you have? I mean, because it's not like you have to pitch again tomorrow, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> if, you do, if you're sore tomorrow, you just don't go to the gym. Well, I'm a knuckleballer, so I can go at a moment's notice. Yeah, you can go every day. Sure. Uh, I also have not taken an ice bath. But when I was a kid, uh, let's say early high school, I had a friend who had a rich friend who had an indoor pool and a hot tub. And we would run out in the snow. And see how long we could sit in the snow mm-hmm. in our swimsuits and then run inside and jump in the hot tub, which in hindsight, nobody died. No. It's fun. That yeah. kind of thing is fun. Yeah. Um, the athletic director of Drake U says that this guy should have just pissed himself like she did on an important business trip. <sighs> this story is all kinds of wrong. And to make it worse... Andrew says that he uh, is not barebacking the gym showers. <laughs> I, th- well, someone has, has accused them of uh, not knowing what a thing means this week, which I actually think they knew what it meant. Uh, I don't think Andrew knew what barebacking was when he said this. I I don't know. Um, I I hope not. I hope th- I hope that this was an accidental slip. Yeah. Uh, then we get more pee talk. Uh, is it okay to pee in a sink? <laughs> Can we do this as a lightning round? Some uh, highbrow it... stuff this week. Highbrow. Yeah, yeah. Is it okay to pee in the sink? I would rather that you didn't. <laughs> sure. Sure. Good answer. You're just jealous. That's what I say to all the women, the anti-sink peers. I, I've never been in a position in need. I've never been in... So I think this came up a little bit. Sam and I are not bathroom sharers. If someone's in the shower, you wait. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Yes, you Correct. wait, right? Correct. Decency? Yes. Uh, and and I know some couples are more open about that, but I just know I want more than a curtain between us if I'm going to use the toilet. Yeah, it's not good for anyone involved. I don't think. And if you've gotten to the point where that's okay in your marriage, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> Talking to you. Farewell. I'm anti peeing in the sink. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. I mean, yeah. I, I think I might have done it in like a bar situation or something before. You know, where you're you're about to bust and and they've let all the women into the men's room. You know. Yeah. I just I feel it's my right at that point. <laughs> uh, in the yard, I guess I don't care if nobody can see. I mean, our yard's not appropriate for that run right. a corner. There's a lot of exposure. <laughs> it would take me a lot of uh, maneuvering my walker out to. To pee in the yard, it's just not <laughs> worth it. You do have a high fence, though, so once you get out there, you're probably good. Oh, yeah, yeah, all good, for sure, yeah. when, if I if I get my creaky ass out there. And, Anne, you're a lady. I'm just going to assume you're not peeing in your yard. No. Yeah. 
See, that's not jealousy. She she could do that if she wanted to. She just chooses not to. Uh, we hear from a listener. Uh, we don't get the exact voicemail. We just get the relaying of the voicemail that a listener found a, quote, booger archive. Nope. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> I don't want to wrap my mind around this. And he said it was in some sort of a shape. Oh, my God. Um, I I only take issue with the use of the term archive because I feel like it should be organized. Mm, yeah. You know, you're right. is, it, is it on index cards, dated? You're right. You're right. Our, our I, feel, catalog? I feel like you could find out uh, who the archiver is pretty easily on this because oh, if it's a, a large enough load where it's actually noticeable as a collection, oh, that's got to be a person that's spending a lot of time in that oh, spot. And it's going to be the lead on oh. a new CSI spinoff for CSI Groston. <laughs> it certainly won't be me. I would not be doing any investigating. Investigation is over. Well, I want to know who it is so that I can never, never. interact with them again. Oh, never let God. them touch your stuff. Uh, and we get a, a follow-up lament uh, that leads to old man grumblings about how we bubble wrap kids these days. What with the unicycles and all. Uh, and that's really it. They go out with a Drake song that has been bleeped pretty heavily, but left in a lot of sexual innuendo, including the words skeet, skeet, skeet. <laughs> just, we're really running out of bodily fluids this week. Yeah, we? it is. Uh, it's a rough one. If you're, if you're, yeah. Sorry, Aiden, for about this whole week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we really hit a gross hat trick just on this episode. Yeah. I didn't have to bring it up, but. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> Mike, why don't you just keep going? Take us right, All right, right to Thanksgiving. There's something about the outside of a turkey that's good for the inside of a man. This possibly the longest title they've ever had. Um, and a really strange show picture, too, if you get a chance to go look at that. Uh, this is the Thanksgiving episode where they are preparing their meals. Sounds like they have a lot of cords and equipment in both kitchens, and it leads to a lot of accidents and near accidents um luke it opens with luke burning the bacon while carrie is doing some real cooking and andrew and Veeves, i don't think i don't think it's a big culinary household over there they're, they're making toll house cookies um and andrew i made a note to myself that i will not freak out about the baking talk I will not. <laughs> I will not freak out about the ineptitude displayed here. Has it ever happened to you where you're holding a bunch of equipment and then you reach for the front and the back of the oven at the same time and you get zapped? Like, No. Who would ever do that? Who would put their whole hand over the top yeah. of the back of the range to use their thumb to turn it on? He has some freakishly it's gross long back arms. There. For a man of yeah. his size. I mean, he has the arms of like a seven-footer. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Andrew has a no. strange body. His arms are very long. Please don't move on until you get to the poorly executed Blood Oranges, Blood Diamonds spoof. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good spoof. Luke just didn't get it. Yeah. No, it just fell flat on the line. I yeah, mean, I think sure there was did. potential there with a the yes and, but it just didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The 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 baking though. Let me ask you this, Anne. I mean, you certainly wouldn't frown on someone bringing Toll House cookies somewhere. I mean, they're delicious uh -uh. or whatever. But it's it seems pretty unambitious for 
you know, you're going to do a podcast and you're just going to bake cookies off the same recipe everyone else uses? I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't be my choice, but well, I guess that was an available recipe and they know it's something that people like, so why not? Well, I'm glad they did it because anything more complicated might have killed both of them because things were crashing so. over there. Things were, it, it sounded like things were not going particularly well. I mean, Veeves seemed to be getting a little irritated with Andrew at a couple. I think she's made a couple of batches of cookies in her life, but who who reaches the age of 40 and has never used a hand mixer? Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You'd have to be in jail for a lot longer than I was to have reached (laughs) his age without having touched some basic kitchen equipment. Um, Andrew truly freaked out when he got shocked. <laughs> like he thought everyone was going to get shocked now. And Veeves was pretty dismissive of that. <laughs> she just walked over and turned on the oven. Oh yeah. She said she thought he was doing a bit. Right. Right. It's <laughs> yeah. sure, but he was so rattled though. You know, he was pretty convincing after a minute. You're like, dude, you're freaking out about things that don't even exist at this point. <laughs> but it must've got shocked real good if it, if it got mm-hmm. him that way. Um, I love that Carrie couldn't stop laughing. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't either. <laughs> right. Um, Luke, uh, I know, Bobby, you, you're going to want to weigh in on this. Luke makes the argument for the minced garlic. You have like the – you use like the cubes? I do. The I mean, there is a time and a place for fresh garlic. Uh, absolutely. We do not own a garlic press here. If you need minced garlic, we do it the old-fashioned way. You smash it with the side of the knife. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then you chop it. You know, you mince it from there. You sound shocked, Mike. Well, I use a press. And, you know, I have the same argument with Luke. It's like, God damn, this thing is hard to clean. Because you got to, like, get a butter knife in there and yank out the stuff and then do some extra rinsing or whatever. But it sounds like Andrew's workaround for that is just, ah, just take it out of the dishwasher, even if it's still got... Put it in the dishwasher with garlic in it. If the garlic's still in there, just go ahead and reuse it without just more garlic for next. It time. is so gross. Like what? Have, I'm mm-hmm. I'm e- eating garlic detergent now. Yeah. So chef's knife, garlic clove on its side. I don't even take the skin off first. Smash it with the side of the knife, and then peel off the papers. Cut off the top. Mince easy. Okay. Yep, that's I how I do it too. Don't need a garlic press. Although, yes, I'm a big fan of frozen garlic cubes. Uh, they come in a little ice cube tray shaped thing. A cube is about one clove of garlic. Just pop them into the pan. I think there's a little bit of oil and a little bit of lemon juice in there. Hold them together so they freeze, and they just melt into whatever you're doing. And they are great. And unlike the jars, your entire fridge doesn't smell like garlic after you open it. Oh, I didn't know that. I've never. I don't think I bought the minced before the the jars are a mess we used to have before we discovered the frozen garlic we would get the jar but like keep it in a plastic bag in Hmm. the fridge because it would just smell i mean i don't mind the smell of raw garlic all the time but it's a little overwhelming okay um carrie asked advice about skipping the heavy skillet which is called for in many recipes i know emily has um a set of skillets that she spent a lot of time seasoning um do you guys have those kind of skillets, do you get them out very often? I don't. I don't have any skillets at all, especially not the ones that would be appropriate to go s- stovetop to oven. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I just skip the recipes that yeah. call for those. 
Because I don't want to spend the money and spend the time seasoning them. It's a lot of investment for sure. Yeah, we had a crummy one that really needed to be cleaned up more. I had an ex-girlfriend years and years ago who gave me a small cast iron skillet that her father worked in a in a shop and he like sandblasted it clean thinking that that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I never really had the heart to explain to her that that was the opposite of what you want to do. Yeah. yeah that's that kind crazy. of pan. Cause there's just no amount of reseasoning that was going to bring that to a place where it was useful. Yeah. Holiday food tradition of a bowl of black olives. Um, they talk about, <laughs> I think all of them had that family tradition or whatever. I think I remember there being black olives out, but back then I didn't like them. And then there was a period where I did like them for a long period. And now because of Christy, I don't like them again because she said they taste like blood and they do. (laughs) (laughs) Now a blood olives joke could have gotten some legs. And I was thinking about this. Um, if I if I had dipped into the olive thing when I was a kid, I wasn't going to eat them. I was just going to put them on my fingers. I think my dad would have lost his mind. Right. You know. <laughs> I know I would uh, if there was some kid around here who just put his hands all in the bowl and wasn't going to eat any of it. We missed out on pickles and olives this year at Thanksgiving. Oh, um, right. Usually we are – I always grew up in that house where, yeah, there's a whole pickle tray and it's, mm-hmm. you know, little dills and cornichons and green. The thing about those uh, pickles, the ones that Luke was talking about eating, I have a jar of them in my fridge and they are zero calories. There you go. Just <laughs> all salt. <laughs> <laughs> zero calories. So I guess there's no calories in the salt delivery system that you get there. So I'm just – I'm down with those pickles, but I'm, I don't pair them with coffee and some of these other things. But yeah. um, let's see. Uh, Carrie decases the sausage, uh, which sounds like a pretty gross process. I've done it, and uh, it is kind of disturbing. The bigger the container, the more disturbing it is mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> that uh, The browning of the sausage, until you get it to the brown point, it's it's the least appetizing part of of. <laughs> cooking a meal as far as I'm concerned because eventually it'll look fine and smell good but the person in the other room gets the benefit of not seeing the decasing of the sausage and just enjoying the food I want to get back on that side of it Uh, Susie and her obsession with karaoke is discussed and Luke lays out exactly how it's going to go down um, because it's the way it always goes down her karaokeing Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I could do a family karaoke thing. Not with my family, anyway. Uh, no. We're not equipped. I would love it. Do you guys do it? No, I've never done karaoke in my life. Oh, neither have I. But my family is far too restrained. Or I should say my parents are too restrained to yeah. ever be into anything like that. I could really get into it with my brothers. It would be totally fun. Oh, that, but... Yeah, it's a shame because you guys would be great. You guys mm-hmm. would all be great. I think you need the bigger family dynamic, yeah. like the mm-hmm. Burbank gathering is a particularly large gathering, especially because it seems that there's usually at least a couple of drifters that get pulled in. <laughs> so you have an audience who hasn't seen the shtick before. Was it karaoke when the other night after I ate my macaroni and cheese with a hot dog cut up in it that I was singing along to Joe Jackson on YouTube? Is that... <laughs> Is is it karaoke without an audience? With no one there to see. When the dogs are just looking at you like, look at this asshole. You can't get any more depressing uh, telling us about this because if we have another Mike Frizzell cry fest, people are going to hate us. 
<laughs> oh, I had a great time. <clears throat> I have no regrets. Um, they they were talking about everyone's feelings towards Thanksgiving. Of course, Luke's, Luke loves it. Veeves is kind of meh about it, uh, even though their first sort of couple's vacation and the time that Andrew met Veeves' parents and family was over a Thanksgiving trip. And um, we had the same thing, Emily and I. I asked her to marry me on um, somewhere around Halloween. And then I came back to Austin and we drove to Baton Rouge to meet her parents and she was pretty convinced that they weren't going to like me, especially her mom, because they, I mean, they just, they're, they don't cotton to, to people that well. And, and the last guy that she was with was covered, completely covered in tattoos. So he never had a chance. <laughs> no, no. Plus he was short, so he never had a chance with me. But, um, <laughs> anyway, she was like, uh, you know, they're not going to like it. It's, we end up getting along great and it worked out great. Um, and the highlight for me was her m- grandmother, who I think was maybe a uh, hundred at the time. I think she lived to be about 104, 105. Uh, I was helping her grandmother, um, get up on a curb and I had, I had one of her arms and I think I, Emily's brother had her other arm and she, she sort of lifts her legs up. She just curls them behind herself cause she's like, doesn't want to walk if we don't make her. And she looked up at me and I think she said, Who's this great big man? Because I think <laughs> I think she was so used to the the other guy that uh, I was pretty imposing, even though I'm not that big. Because he was a little fella, so so it worked out good. Uh, I don't know, I, Andrew. I would guess made a nice impression. I would think so. Yeah. Unless they took apart his computer, then they thought he was a crazy person. <laughs> or asked him to eat cheese. Right, ask me to eat, eat uh, gravy or cheese. Uh, I fall in love with Veeves all over again when she talks about how she loves gravy and how she likes to make mixed bites. This is this is Emily as well. I mean, she likes to make the perfect bite. I I don't have I don't have patience for it, but I admire her for it. And every time I'm like, yeah, that is a perfect bite. Give me that bite. Luke is uh, barbing up his recipe for this blue cheese dip, but by which I mean he's not following it. And this is the first time he's making it. Um, uh, walnuts are an integral part to that kind of dish. He said he was keeping out because he doesn't like them. But that's that. You know, you're you're veering toward a toward a Waldorfian thing. Mm-hmm. And if you take out the walnuts, you're just pulling it away from that completely. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, if you don't like walnuts, don't make that recipe. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of recipes you can make that don't have walnuts. Most of them, in fact. Most dip recipes do not involve walnuts. I'll say that unequivocally. Uh, a Westworld Trump joke actually kills because I think everyone in both rooms has has seen the Westworld, which I have seen. It was a great joke. Um, but uh, I don't think 90% of the audience... Got it. And Luke is um, proclaimed by Susie Burbank in the text chain, I think, to be the leader of the children. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know. It's It sounds dismissive in the context uh, because I think she's tired of the rebellion of the children. Right. Yes. So she, it's, 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 not, it's not a title that she 
feels is a good one for Luke. You know, like it's a, he's doing a good thing by leading the children. You think she more le- means leader of the rebellion, like not go to mm-hmm. Costco at 7.30 on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving? That's a rebellion to her. I don't know, because isn't it Walter who hates Safeway? <laughs> he won't eat anything from Safeway, QFC. So I, I do think, I think everybody's getting in on it but her. Yeah, everyone got off good shots, except really for That's her. That's frustrating, though. If you're the one who's supposed to be making sure everything gets done and leading the charge and nobody else will be serious, mm-hmm. that's really frustrating. This yeah. is the LRB planning chat every week. <laughs> true, true. One of us, and it rotates, one of us will be trying to figure out when we're recording for the week. And everyone else is just firing off. That's making jokes. Ro- Robin Williams style, just smoking them. Was it? Sure, right. Um, it's suggested by Andrew, I think, Game of Thrones metaphor dinner conversation so that um, most of the politics would go over the Burbank parents' heads. And it's not the worst if they, it would be a decent um, suggestion. Were they not Game of Thrones watchers, which I think they are? Yeah. But, um, I just thought Lannister care was a good, mm-hmm. was a good line. Um, Andrew is, they, t- they, Vive says that cooking with Andrew is like cooking with Bean. And by that, she <laughs> means Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. Yep. Which I can totally picture those lanky arms just smashing things, running cords all over, tripping. It sounded like a disaster. I wish we had video. that They should have Facebook Live that. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been terrific. Because mm-hmm. I, I think on Luke and Carrie's end, they almost dropped a few things as well. Well, and well, that poor then- first batch of bacon. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Burn the first batch of bacon and then fried the second batch of bacon in the leftover bacon grease. Well, and is the bacon so burnt that you can't put it in a dip? I mean, it's not like you're serving it with your eggs. It's in a dip. It's there for some crunch. It so, wasn't too burnt for him to eat while he was right. trying If he's eating catch. it, then why wouldn't it be good enough for the dip? I mean, <laughs> instead of walnuts, let's get some crunchy bacon in there. Anyway, I'm, I've criticized enough for uh, that Thursday. Who's got Friday? <laughs> I do. Uh, Friday is number 2259, The Leftovers. And the idea behind this show is that Luke and Andrew are going to talk about all the topics that they uh, promoted on previous shows and then never got around to talking to, which means that we get exactly two stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the first story from Rebecca, this was the only good suggestion that came from the post Andrew put on the Stens page. That that post got like 50 responses and Rebecca's was the only one that was right. usable. It was very a very Stensy post. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to know the story about uh, Chopin and how when he died, his, um, his body was buried in Paris, but his heart was buried in Portland, uh, Poland. <laughs> My, my heart's um, never was, been in Portland. I do not right. like Portland. Luke was very excited at the time, but uh, this was quite a while ago, and so now he doesn't even remember why he wanted to talk about it anymore. Um, 
So they kind of skimmed through this article, and Chopin was in Paris as a self-imposed exile, and they talk a little bit about what that means. And so I looked it up because I'm a nerd, and it turns out that Poland was under Russian control at that time, and there had been, I think in the 30s, something they called the Great Uprising that failed, and after that, there was an exodus of the Polish sort of cultural elite who left left Poland and went to France. And so that's why he was in France. So he died there and they did eventually take that heart back to Poland. And there was a secret gathering of scientists and church people and whoever to exhume the heart. And then they did an examination of it and took uh, more than a thousand photos and put it back by morning. A thousand photos of a heart. Yeah. And I was a little unclear about what the whole point this was, other than to try and determine if he really died of tuberculosis or from cystic fibrosis. After like 800 photos, they're like, nope, we still don't quite have it. Right. And I'm not sure what it matters anyway, right. what he really died of, which which disease. Um, so where they go from this is a very dark place. I didn't uh, even Chopin. know Chopin was sick, so that's where I am. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it turns out that Chopin wanted his head, uh, his heart buried separately from the rest of him because he was afraid, like Luke, of being uh, disposed of before he was actually dead, which is totally a Monty Python thing. And uh, Luke just wants to be really, really, really sure because he um, has a phobia of being buried alive and they go into a whole um, discussion of interview with a vampire and, and how that actually happened in that. And Andrew may have read the books at one time, but mm-hmm. Luke clearly has not read the books. So it's another one of those discussions where they're trying to recall plot points from something that neither of them uh, really knows anything about. I think Luke thinks the, the books were about uh, trying to get a job as a vampire, like self-help books. <laughs> How to interview with a vampire? Well, he does prefer nonfiction. Yeah, it's practical knowledge. So Luke thinks he would be okay being buried alive if he was a vampire because he would know that he couldn't die, which is very twisted logic. Um, Andrew says that he is not afraid of death, only painful death. And Luke says he's actually okay with death. This is a, a, a turnabout in the last couple of years mm-hmm. that they've talked about before. Um where when he was young, he was just petrified of death. But now he said, 40 years is a good run on this planet. And I got to say, I feel uh, similarly to that statement. I'm going to be 40 here soon. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably about good. Yeah. 40 is a big birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my friend of mine said that she's going to get me a t-shirt that says hashtag not my problem. I think once I turn 40, <laughs> it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> Um, I, I think I've mentioned before, I have a rubber stamp that says, not my problem. It's a little tradition among a bunch of my friends who all worked at the Buffalo Philharmonic. When somebody's quitting, but they're a dead man walking on their last two weeks or month, you get them that stamp and anything they don't want to deal with on their desk, they just stamp it and leave it there for the next person. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so Luke decides that he just wants to be 
his body to be left in the woods, quote, to dissolve. Whatever that means. That's just littering, right? Acid rain has reached a level of problem that... That's like the the most egregious form of littering I've ever heard of. I mean, presumably then, if he's not actually dead, at some point he could just wake up and leave the woods. So he's he's trying to keep his option open as long as possible. Where are all these stories about people, you know, being buried alive or waking up from death that are that spur this type of thinking? I don't know. Maybe Edgar maybe in, in some of the new uh, Trump stream media, there, there's some stories, but... I don't is think it, there are a lot of verifiable, like, coming back from from death. Is it possible that, that he just saw The Revenant? Oh, I think he did see that, right? <laughs> and that's just what's in the back of his mind. <laughs> because uh, this is every movie where they say, well, he's like 95% dead. Let's just leave him. Sure. To blame. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they end this kind of disturbing conversation talking about uh, whether they would prefer to be buried alive or burned alive. And uh, mm. what was it? Andrew went with burned alive? I can't remember who picked picked which. Neither one of them is especially appealing to me. No. Yes, correct. Any, <laughs> any thoughts on buried versus burned? <laughs> no. I would say burned just due to the claustrophobia. Yeah, I, I sort of think maybe just it would be incredibly painful, but at least it would be over quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I guess logically, just be done. Right. Or maybe if you were buried alive, eventually you would just go to sleep and not wake up. I don't. Maybe think that would. Well, be okay. I think I think you would. Yeah, you would suffocate. I don't want to break this down anymore. No. 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 <laughs> Bury me alive with a booger mountain or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on from that. The second story they get to is the the man who plays the mountain in Game of Thrones. I did not go and look up his actual name because I, I think he's Danish or Icelandic or something. Yeah, it's pretty and complicated it's a hard name. name. Yeah. Uh, he posted his diet plan on Facebook for his preparation for the World's Strongest Man competition. And then uh, Luke follows this by reading the entire diet, which I did not write down, although it does include eight eggs in a single meal for breakfast, I think, and referred to him as Dr. Mountainstein's monster, which was good. And they talked about how many eggs would they think would be sort of a reasonable if, if we weren't counting calories and trying to be uh, restrained, how many eggs would they go for? And they agreed that four was about right. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's too many for me. I could do three, but I don't think four. That would be a bit much. There's a place near my house that does really great breakfast. And when you get one of the entrees, that's like a whole package deal. Their thing is just however many eggs you want. And so you actually have to think about it. So it's not like you pay more per egg like most diners. It's just like, oh, this and a side of uh, ham and Texas toast and whatever. And, and just, you know, it's it's unlimited eggs, they call it. But I always still get three and I'm perfectly happy because it's got all this other stuff with it. Like mm-hmm. I could probably eat six eggs with it, but I shouldn't. <laughs> well, that's called being reasonable. And... um 
they talk about sort of if you were going to go whole hog for breakfast, no pun intended, what would you do? And Luke said that he would uh, cheat on his low-carb diet with pastries of some sort. And Andrew is absolutely flabbergasted that Luke would pick pastries instead of going with an egg-sausage combo. I would go with Luke. I'm pastry all the way. Hmm. I'm not a big breakfast person, but if you're talking about um, like breakfast for dinner, I'm probably going eggs, sausage. Oh, yeah, for dinner. Yeah. And then you eat the pastry for dessert. <laughs> oh, boy, I wouldn't say I wouldn't enjoy a nice pastry afterward. I, I'm i in a Y2s moment. Um, if you're going to cheat, cheat. Yeah, get it all. Get it all. Absolutely. Put eggs and sausage on a croissant and just snarf it down. I had a great um, croissant yesterday, and I finished it. I'll bet you did. <laughs> so Luke thinks that this uh, complicated and extensive diet actually sounds pretty boring, and I would agree. And he contrasts that with the diet of Andre the Giant, also a large man who ate a lot of food and who's – I Luke has mentioned Andre the Giant several times before in this context, I think, about how he would just be known for the legendary amount of food that he could eat and drink. Mm -hmm. And then they make the point, though, that his body was vastly different from the mountain. Right. I mean, the mountain is pretty pretty ripped and muscled. And I, I think Andre the Giant probably won most of his wrestling through the sheer size of him rather than body composition also the the fact that the wrestling matches are fictional (laughs) (laughs) what not real um (laughs) but the the to the mountain eating probably is like a chore and to andre the giant it was probably one of the greatest things of his life (laughs) (laughs) and going to music for your weekend andrew picks iris dement our town Luke picks Grand Hallway, Blessed Be Honeybee, and listener Jeffrey comes in with Why Oak Glory. And that ends Friday. A short show. Yeah. And maybe someday we'll actually get a show of leftover segments. Mm-hmm. I When the premise for this was announced, I expected it to be like a lightning round. like right. Like they'd hit mm-hmm. 10 of them real quick. <clears throat> but uh, hey, this works too. On to housekeeping, on to the archive project. Christy is still looking for questions for Mike about his life of crime or anything else about the episodes when he was on TBTL recounting that life of crime. Mike, did you know you went to prison? Uh, Yeah, and there have been some very interesting questions uh, coming in. So get in on that for sure. We're going to be doing something with those questions and answers uh, for all of you in the coming weeks and months. So... Uh, Let us know on that. Our sister podcasts, Earbuds and Earworms, their latest episode focuses on songs about the world's oldest profession, and it is not drumming. Uh, (laughs) It's a good episode. I listened to it this morning. And uh, Nerd Out Loud, just uh, keep it in your feed. Eventually, we'll get more Nerd Out Loud. Remember to go to prettysnarky.com and use promo code BANDWAGON for 20% off your gift card and gift tag needs. I am extremely pleased with my gift cards i think you will be as well and again we don't get a kickback on that jen just loves us and wants to give you all a discount uh and uh, an extra addition to the 
housekeeping for today in the area of critical commentary, some reviews on iTunes. Thanks to all of you. As you know, a week ago, we were sort of venting, not that we got negative reviews, but that we got poorly written, unfunny negative reviews for personal (laughs) reasons that had really nothing to do with the show. We've gotten five, five reviews in the last week. Um, And they are all five-star reviews. Thank you, everyone. You're very kind. Um, Some of them even gave us new nicknames. One reviewer writes, uh, if you... uh, so much about this podcast is stupid and pointless. If you like TBTL, however, you apparently enjoy that sort of thing. Here's the list. Prison guy, tall baker chick, Texas lady with dog, the nice giggling lady, and mail bombing fancy boy. Spends all sorts of precious <laughs> listening time appreciating TBTL uh, and making various annoying observations and quote jokes. And I, mail bombing fancy boy, will take it. Yeah. Uh, we also got some very sincere and thoughtful reviews. So thank you for all of those. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, unlike most podcasts that tell you, please review us on iTunes. So we'll go up in the rankings and all that nonsense. I don't think we really care. We don't need that. It doesn't right. matter. I'm not expecting random people to come in off the street and be like, what's this little red bandwagon? Oh, I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are definitely a podcast for a podcast and about a podcast, but we still like knowing that you're listening and appreciating mm-hmm. us. Uh, other ways you can let us know that you can get involved by going to littleredbandwagon.com. Find us on Facebook at Little Red Bandwagon, occasionally in the Stens page. The show Twitter's LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Uh, we have not, I just checked this morning, gotten any new voicemails or texts. The last voicemail we got was five weeks ago. And it was a doctor's office confirming Holly's appointment. So Holly, I hope that you got to your appointment. That's 802-432-TBTL. Yeah, she, she got there. I, I saw some pictures of her stump. She's oh, looking good. 802-432-8285. And uh, with that, Mike. Yes. Why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, in which Meredith might be included and I might not. We'll see. This is the next party. And we love you, Jen. Thanks for the promo code. We nailed it. Hi, this message is for Holly. This is Karen over at the doctor's office returning your phone call. Um, Please give the office a call back. We'll be here until around 5 p.m. Thank you.